0: If we've spent a lot of time thinking about our values and beliefs and how those apply to social and cultural issues, then we can become very attached to thinking that we're right, they're wrong, and that's that. But remember, everyone feels that way, and the person you think is wrong thinks they're right, and you're wrong, and that's that. We're left with an impenetrable wall between us that only becomes taller as we dig in our heels. But there is another way. Our question this episode, what role does humility play in challenging conversations? Welcome to episode 34 of How Can I Say This? where we look to build connection and community through courageous conversations. I'm your host, Beth Below. Thank you so much for sharing this time with me. In this episode, I'm going to dive a little deeper into the topic of humility, what it means and why it's important for us to cultivate it if we want to heal the wound of harmful divisiveness. Before jumping into the topic, I invite you to visit HowCanISayThis.com for more information about this podcast. From there, you can also access past episodes, subscribe, and find details about how to leave a review or offer feedback. And if you find this podcast useful, please share it with a friend or two or even 20. An occasional feature of this podcast is responding to listener questions about conflict, communication, connection, and relationship building. I welcome your questions for inclusion in a future episode. You'll find the online submission form and other instructions at HowCanISayThis.com. I had the great privilege of giving a presentation yesterday at the Muskegon Rotary Club. It was titled Four Keys to More Civil Conversations, and I touched on a number of points that I've talked about since the beginning of this podcast, including empathy and the role of curiosity in effective communication. Each of the four keys that I offered, presence, empathy, humility, and truth, could each have their own show. And I plan to do that very thing in the coming months. Today, I've decided to kick things off by spending a few minutes talking about humility. In some ways, humility is the master key that unlocks everything else. Let me start with an image. Because humility is one of those abstract concepts that can be challenging to visualize, I did a Google image search on the word, looking specifically for black and white images so that it would match the rest of my PowerPoint slides, of course, because coordination is all-important. One of the first results was the West African adrinka symbol of duenemen, which is ram's horns. You'll see the image if you go to the web page for this episode at howcanisaythis.com, but I'll try to describe it so that you get an idea right away. Imagine a quadrant of four spirals, one spiral in each quadrant, with the top two facing each other as if they were two rams butting horns. The bottom spirals are a mirror image of the top two. It is a symbol of humility together with strength. According to the source where I found the symbol, quote, the ram will fight fiercely against an adversary, but it also submits humbly to slaughter, emphasizing that even the strong need to be humble. The readiness to learn and to develop wisdom are signaled with this sign. End quote. And I have a quick confession to make. I was attached to using this symbol in my presentation, but even going into it, I wasn't sure quite how to handle that it means to fight fiercely and to submit humbly to slaughter. I mean, those are pretty dramatic statements to take to a lunchtime rotary meeting, and they didn't quite seem to fit with the energy of talking about how to have civil conversations. But I kept the symbol in, because even though it seemed extreme, it made sense on a level that I just couldn't put my finger on. And then, as I was standing up there giving my talk, the connection clicked into place. Here's what occurred to me in that moment. The point about fighting fiercely is about standing up for what we believe is right and is necessary, asserting that truth in the spirit of justice and fairness. Sometimes we cross over into self-righteousness, which is a more egocentric, arrogant energy that causes us to lock horns with a person with whom we disagree. That's when we are called to submit humbly to slaughter, not of our physical bodies, but of our ego. It's our ego that needs to be slaughtered, to be drained of the small-minded self that clings to our narrow world view. It's the unhealthy, self-righteous part of our ego that needs to die in that moment so that we can be open to another person and their point of view. Because we allow our small ego to die, we create space for something new to enter. That new information might be a different perspective on what we believed was true, or it might be a full deconstruction of our worldview, or it could be a doorway to deeper empathy for the person in front of us. That metaphorical slaughter is what's necessary for us to have a connection with others and a clarification of our personal truth. As long as our self-important ego is in control, we will be attached to being right, And in this scenario, in order for us to be right, the other person has to be wrong, just like I alluded to in my introduction. Can you tell how being attached to our righteousness can get in the way of being civil with someone? Releasing our righteousness means that we're willing to say, I don't know, or I'm wrong, or even this is challenging what I thought was true, so I'm going to have to take some time to think about it before saying anything more. At least that's what me, the introvert, would say, that I need time to think. Someone who is more of a verbal processor might want to talk it out. And regardless of whether you're thinking about it or talking about it, the point is that you have allowed for there to be a crack in your wall. And as Leonard Cohen sang in his song Anthem, there is a crack in everything. That's how the light gets in. If you don't allow your ego to crack open, if you cling too tightly to putting up barriers between yourself and others in order to protect your ego, you won't make space for the light to come in. Letting your ego die, even just a little, is the first step to embodying true humility in a conversation. When you are able to say, I don't know, You're then able to explore even more nuanced realities that acknowledge that your beliefs don't exist in a vacuum, that they are in relationship to every other human being. That's when you can ask deeper questions, such as, where might my position be hurting the other person? And what bothers me about my perspective? Or put it another way... Where am I still struggling with or discerning my truth? I'll give you a quick example of what it sounds like to wrestle with those questions. I am concerned, as you probably guessed based on the past few episodes, about climate change. I believe strongly that we need to move away from energy sources that pollute our air, water, and soil and that aren't sustainable in the long run. This leads me to bristle. When I hear politicians talk about investing more in the coal industry, I do not believe that coal is our future. My feeling is that we need to be moving everything towards cleaner energy solutions. I also wish for my fellow human beings, those who work in those coal mines, an easier way to make a living that doesn't put them so much at risk for disease and death every single day. Now, It's easy for me to say all of that because my livelihood doesn't depend on anything to do with coal, at least not in a way that's obvious to me. The truth is we're all touched by coal in some way in the products that we use and in the transportation that we take. But I don't see it, you know, right here in front of my face. It's not part of how I make my living. Even though I grew up in Kentucky, where coal was discovered in 1750, and then went on to assume a role as part of the state's identity. No one in my family has a connection to the coal industry. So again, it's easy for me to say coal is bad, and it would be okay if the industry entirely went away. But it's not just about an industry. It's about people, entire communities, their culture, their legacy. For thousands of families, not just in Kentucky, but in other coal mining communities, coal is their lifeblood. They don't know anything else, at least when it comes to how they make their living. So when I say get rid of coal, what they might hear is that I'm really saying that their way of life isn't worth saving. My beliefs threaten their identity, their sense of safety and security, their contribution to the world of keeping homes warm and fueling transportation of people and goods. And that realization bothers me. I still believe that we need to move away from coal, but by digging behind the science and the facts and remembering that there are flesh-and-blood people whose lives are impacted by my beliefs, I am called, in fact, I have a responsibility to listen to their perspective. My self-righteous stance is humbled by their stories. If I just keep insisting I'm right, and, well, they'll just have to find another line of work— then I shut down the conversation and I alienate the very people I need to cooperate with if I want to be a catalyst for positive change. In other words, our ego gets in the way of progress or success, and the antidote is humility. Once we accept that we don't have all the answers, and that our beliefs may be based on only the sliver of story that confirmation bias feeds us, Only then can we begin the work of healing and listening to one another. When we are in that spot, we are open to influence. We're open to transforming the stories that we carry around in our hearts and minds to be more inclusive of the full spectrum of possibilities instead of just the singular one that we have been attached to. As for your call to action, I invite you to consider a belief or opinion you hold dear and notice how thick and tall your wall of self-righteousness is around it. Notice how fiercely you protect it against all adversaries, even to the point of fighting to the death. Now put that belief through those questions that I offered earlier. Where might my position be hurting them? What bothers me about my perspective? Where am I still discerning or struggling with my truth? And finally, where am I open to influence? My hope for you is that in doing this exercise, you'll slaughter your ego and crack the wall and let some new light in. With new light comes new connections, both to ideas and to other people, And if we have any hope at all of having more civil conversations in the future, we need all the light that we can get. If you're interested in bringing this interactive presentation about the Four Keys to More Civil Conversations to your organization or business, I would really love to have a conversation with you. Feel free to contact me through the podcast website. And that address again is howcanisaythis.com or email me at beth at com. It would be great to explore possibilities with you. This is Beth Below and you have been listening to How Can I Say This? Our podcast producer is Paul Messing, and our theme music is by Brett Anderson. Thanks so much for joining me today, and I invite you to take what you've learned here and use it to speak up, speak out, and speak courageously.